Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. My name is Luke Morales, and I'll be reading Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 5 and 11 through 12. After a few days, Jesus went back to Capernaum and people heard he was at home. So many gathered that there was no longer space, not even near the door. Jesus was speaking the word to them. Some people arrived, and four of them were bringing to him a man who was paralyzed. They couldn't carry him through the crowd, so they tore off part of the roof above where Jesus was. When they had made an opening, they lowered the mat on which the paralyzed man was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Child, your sins are forgiven. Get up and take your mat and go home. Jesus raised him up, and right away he picked up his mat and walked out in front of everybody. They were all amazed and praised God, saying, We've never seen anything like this before. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I think I might know him. Luke, thank you for reading our scripture today. It's good to see all of you today on this long weekend. Certainly glad that you're here in worship. I'd invite you now to pray with me before we begin. Oh God, we give you thanks for the gift of this day and the gift of this place where we come together in community truly as friends, as friends of you and as friends of one another. Oh God, we pray that you would send your spirit now, be among us. We pray that you would quiet our minds, open our hearts to receive the word you have for us today. And God, I pray that the words of my mouth would not be my own, but let them be your words for your people. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So today is um, the final week in a three-week series that we've been doing called Crucial Connections for a Vital Faith. We've been talking about the very basics of a life of discipleship. What does it mean when we say that we're going to live as a follower of Jesus? And so a few weeks ago, we explored our relationship with God, what it means to have God's Spirit living within us, shaping our character, sort of the inward spiritual piece of our faith. Last week was all about our relationship with the world, our calling to to go out and to be the presence of Christ to a world that is in need of good news, the outward expression of our faith. And today, we'll focus on friends, on our relationships with other people, why that is an important part of our faith. And you can see on the image that all three are very much intertwined, connected to one another, because they are important connections that we must have in order to grow in our faith. So as we prepare to talk about friends today, I'm interested in hearing quickly in a moment your favorite examples of things that are related to friends. It could be a song. It could be a TV show. I'll start. I'm a product of the 80s and 90s, so I have to mention Friends, right? The TV show. Friends. Very popular when I was in high school and in college. We all want to have friends like Monica and Joey and Ross. And of course, if you were in church circles at all during that time, you know the classic Michael W. Smith song, Friends. Friends are friends forever. Anybody? No? Okay. Just me. That's okay. That's all right. It's a great song from like 1983. Um, but tell me some of yours. What are some things that you think of when I say the word friends? What comes to mind? I love Lucy. I love Lucy. Okay. 
What else? Toy Story? You got a friend in me, right? That's a popular one. What else? Anyone? Okay. What's that? Okay. Garth Brooks. Okay. Yes. Friends in low places. All right. It works. It works. So in Mark chapter 2, in the story that Luke just read, this is a story that I like to call rooftop friends. These friends and their encounter that they have with Jesus. It's at the very beginning of Mark's gospel. Jesus has just called his disciples and he's beginning his ministry and he's been traveling around preaching and, and healing people. And so the word has begun to spread about him. And people are wondering, who is he? What are these miracles that he's doing? And so this story picks up in Capernaum. It's referred to as Jesus's home. And it's thought by some that he was actually at Peter's house. So for our purposes today, we're going to say that he was at Peter's house. And so people had heard that he was back. And so they're gathering at this house to hear him talk. And there are so many people packed inside there that there's no more room, not even at the door, no more space. And so people just keep coming and coming. And these four men show up carrying a man on a stretcher who was paralyzed. They're bringing him to see Jesus. And so they get there and they see this huge crowd and they realize we're never going to be able to get him there. We're never going to be able to carry him through all these people to the house where Jesus is. Now, keep in mind that these are four men. And so I imagine one, two, maybe three of them standing around scratching their heads, wondering what are we going to do. But then there's one that says, you know, we could go through the roof. It's a very manly thing to say, right? We'll just go through the roof. Now, many houses back then were built out of stone, but they had flat roofs on them that were made of mud and straw. And then there was usually an outside staircase that would lead up to the roof. And so that's what they did. They carried him up up the stairs, and they dug through the roof. Now, imagine being in this house. Everybody's quiet. Jesus is teaching. Everybody's hanging on every word that he says, and then all of a sudden, you hear this noise. And then mud and thatch start to fall through. Then you see these hands coming in, right? And they're tearing about a five-foot hole in the ceiling. Now at this point, assuming that it's his house, Peter is not happy. Peter is not happy because his roof is being destroyed. But I imagine that just as he's about to speak up, a man is lowered on a mat through the roof. I love this story because it's weird. I do. I love this story because it's unexpected. Look at the faces of these people in this photo. Like, what is going on? Only Jesus, right? Now, ultimately in the story, Jesus forgives and heals this man. A side note, the Pharisees were there. They showed up. They wanted to see what Jesus was doing. Why is he drawing all these crowds? They were appalled that Jesus would claim that he could forgive someone much less heal someone. And so Jesus calls them out on it. And to show the authority that he had, he heals this paralyzed man. And it says the man got up, he picked up his mat, and he walked out in front of everyone that was there. And the people's response was, we've never seen anything like this. And I think that response encompasses so much. 
They were certainly in awe and praised God for the miraculous healing that they had just witnessed, of course. But I think they were also amazed by the love of these people that was so bold and creative and courageous because that day, God's love was made real in friends who simply would not take no for an answer. Now, if we go back to verse 5, when Jesus' teaching was interrupted, he didn't get angry. He didn't get frustrated. The scripture says he saw their faith. He saw the courageous persistence of those four men. He saw their resourcefulness as a sign that they really believed that God was at work and that the effort was worthwhile. Because they were sure. They were sure that Jesus could heal their friend. And they were willing to, frankly, risk looking like fools and even destruction of property to bring him to Jesus' feet. And so is that the type of faith that we have? I'm not condoning defacing public property. But is that the kind of faith that we have? Faith that will break down all of these barriers that we see and perhaps even risk a bit of our dignity for a brother or a sister that we see in need. Because ultimately, it's our friendship with Jesus, it's our faith that enables us to then be a friend to other people. We are all blessed with wonderful human friends. But there's really only one. There's really only one true friend that will never fail us, and that's Jesus. In John chapter 15, Jesus refers to his disciples as his friends. That's a powerful statement because he says, you're not merely my servants. Jesus took them into his confidence, and I believe that he also calls us his friends. That's his desire for a relationship with us. But friendship is two-sided. We know this. We know that to be a true friend, we have to respond. It works both ways. And so that means that we have to come to Jesus as we are, with honesty, with openness. And if we are a friend of Jesus, we have to adopt his interests as our own. And what Jesus treasures first is people. It's people. He included people. He loved people. He lifted people up to their fullest potential all throughout his ministry. And so we have a responsibility. He chose us then to go and to love one another, which we learn how to do from him. And so as we walk with God, as we mature in our faith, as we grow in our Christ-likeness, then our love for people and our inclination to reach out to them in friendship should grow. It should increase. Now, as we think about friendship, it seems like such a natural part of human life that we might not often stop to think about what it really means or where it comes from. But God created us for friendship with one another. Jesus had close friends. We know he had 12 disciples, but even within those 12, there were three that were sort of his inner circle. But real friends come at a high cost. And sadly, I think more and more people are finding that the cost is too high, which brings us to the topic of social media. Social media definitely has benefits, and I'm all for it, so please don't hear me saying that I'm against social media, but we do have to be careful. We have to be careful because it can easily and quickly draw us further away from real face-to-face relationships in our lives. 
multiple studies have shown over many years that frequent users of social media tend to say that they feel lonely and they feel disconnected. Because we need relationships. We need real community. But those have to be cultivated with effort that we put forth. Now, I was curious yesterday, and you might get curious about your own profiles after I say this. But I checked my Facebook profile yesterday because I wanted to see how many friends I had on Facebook. And it tells me that I have 1,093 friends. Y'all, that made me laugh out loud. It made me laugh out loud because I am an introvert by nature, okay? But beyond that, there is no way I have that many friends. There's just not. There's just not. And so I'm sure that we can all agree that Facebook or any social media platform, I don't care what it is, Instagram, Twitter, I don't even know what, what they all are anymore. But those are not realistic pictures of true friendships. We can be connected with our true friends in those ways, but those are not realistic pictures of what it means to have true relationships. So what is that? What is true friendship then? There's a great quote that says, there are only two people who can tell you the truth about yourself, an enemy who's lost their temper and a friend who loves you dearly. A biblical definition of a friend is someone that loves you as they love themselves. Someone that believes in you, someone that's loyal, that will be the first to call you in good times and in bad times, someone that keeps you in check, someone that defends you, someone who walks with you in all seasons of life, someone who extends grace, perhaps even when we don't deserve it. Authentic friendship requires that barriers be dismantled, that risks be taken, that trust be mutual. That loving investment in the other person be constant. It takes intentionality. It takes hard work, and it involves sacrifice and time. Two things that we're often short of in today's world. But those relationships change us. Those relationships are what sustains us, because without them, we're diminished. Sociologists tend to agree that we're built for about 150 relationships. 150 relationships. And then within that, maybe 12 to 15 friendships. And within that, three to five really close friends. Now, when we talk about relationships, when I say 150 relationships, that includes our close friends, but it also includes casual acquaintances that we might only see every so often. So the entire spectrum is included there. But they're all important. They're all important because they remind us that we are connected to one another. So the quantity is not as important as the quality. Do you have someone that you can call in the middle of the night if you have a need? Do you have someone that you can have fun with? Do you have someone who can teach you new things about life? It's absolutely true that relationships keep us happier and they keep us physically healthy. It's been proven that people with active friendships live longer. But again, just like we have to work at our physical fitness, our physical health, our social fitness will begin to calcify if we don't put forth effort. And so we can't take for granted that friendships will just work out naturally with no effort on our part. We can't assume that. Now that does not mean that we're obligated to stay in friendships that are toxic to us, 
nor does it mean that our friendships won't change. Sometimes they will disappoint us, and sometimes they will dissolve completely. That's just part of life. But we can't let that discourage us. And so I want to use the story from Mark to look at ways that this plays out in relation to our faith. So first, let's assume that the four men in the story knew the paralyzed man. Maybe well, maybe not so well, but let's pretend like they were friends at church, okay? Whatever that would have looked like for them. And so the takeaway is that we need to be connected at church so that we are able to care for others and we can allow ourselves to be cared for by others. It works both ways. You probably noticed that many of us are wearing these red shirts today that say, I love my church. I have four more, if anyone would like one. But I ask people this week, as you think about why you love your church, how important to you are the people in the church and why? And so some of the responses that I got were, I'm grateful for the way that we pray for each other. One person said, I'm grateful that if I miss worship or Bible study, someone checks on me to make sure I'm okay. A person said, these are the people that I call my friends, and they bring heaven to earth for me. Another person simply said, people need people. And they're going to actually sing a song that's called People Need People right after I preach, and this person didn't know that, so... These are examples of caring for other people, but it's also examples of being cared for by other people. But to be connected, we have to make it a priority. We have to make time for it. We have to be willing to be vulnerable, empathetic, and accountable to other people. That's what it means to be a transformative community, and that is our hope for Stonebridge as a church. Now, there are lots of ways to connect here. Lots of ways to connect, but I'm going to give you two easy ones this morning. Maybe you just kind of want to dip your toe in just a little bit. So if you're on Facebook, see, I'm not opposed to social media. If you're on Facebook, we have a Stonebridge UMC community page. Now, this is different from our main church Facebook page. This is a a closed group, um, and it's a community of people who worship here, who are a part of this church, and it's a way for you to stay informed and a little more connected with other people. And then perhaps you can share that information about our church with others on your own page. So that's one way is to join that, that group. The other is we have seven Lenten study groups that are going to be starting very soon, within the next week, because Lent starts this coming Wednesday. You can find a full list of all those groups on our website, or there are green sheets as you exit this morning that have that list. Between those seven groups, there are two books to choose from. Pastor Dale and I will be leading two of those groups, and so I would encourage you to choose one of those studies, and then let me or the leader know that you'd like to be a part of the group. If that sounds like too much for you, then at the very least, get one of those books and do it with one other person with a friend, find a partner of some kind to work through that book with during the season of Lent. Find a way to be in relationship with other people in the church. And ask yourself, how am I caring for other people here? What am I doing to care for other people? Maybe it means reaching out to someone you haven't seen in a while and ask them if they're okay. 
ask someone to go have coffee or lunch with you who's going through some sort of transition in their life. Maybe they've recently had a new baby, or they've moved, or they're retiring, or they're empty nesters, or they have a new job, and they just need someone to connect with. Maybe it's as simple as before you leave today, you introduce yourself to one person you've never seen before. Tell them your name. Tell them you're glad they're here. How many of us, friends, how many of us can attest to the miracles in our own lives that were brought about by the faith and the love and the prayers of somebody else? Probably most of us. Because at some point in all of our lives, someone has carried us to Jesus when we couldn't get there on our own. And so sometimes it's our job to carry one another with the strength of our own faith. But it's also important to ask another question. How am I allowing myself to be cared for? And maybe today that's where you find yourself. You need care. And that's the most important question for you to ask. And it's hard. It's hard for many of us to ask that question because we have to admit that we need help. We have to be vulnerable and transparent and let other people actually be there for us. And I want to tell you today that if you feel like you're, you're here and you don't have any friends here, reach out to one of the pastors because we want to care for you and we will make sure that we have someone to care for you. Friendships are a beautiful part of what it means to be in community as the body of Christ, as the church together. Now, going back to the story, let's assume that the foreman didn't know the paralyzed man that they encountered him somewhere outside the church in the community. And so the takeaway there is that we need to be looking for people who are in need of Jesus and bring them into his presence. It might be someone from work. It could be a neighbor. It could be someone that you know is anxious to learn more about who God is. But the key is that we cannot be be insulated from the world. It's not enough to come to worship, to go to a small group, and maybe throw in a committee meeting. Those are great things, and those are important things, but that's not enough. Interestingly, it's often true that the longer a person attends church, the fewer friends they begin to have outside the church. Some of the worst offenders of this are pastors, and we know it. We know this. To be relevant, we have to have relationships that are outside these walls. We have to. But then we have to actually help. Imagine if these four men had visited this paralyzed man. They stopped to say hi. They told them what they were going to be doing over the weekend. And then they walked away saying, oh, we're going to see Jesus now. He apparently has the power to heal people. Listen, if we can ever do anything for you, let let us know and walk off. That's not what they did, though. We can assume that since they went to the trouble of dropping him through a roof, they expected that their friend would be healed. And interestingly, the first thing he got from Jesus was forgiveness. Now, I don't believe that Jesus thought his physical condition was a result of his sinfulness. That's not how I read the text. I believe that Jesus simply healed the inside of the man first. The first true miracle was his heart being turned to Jesus. And we serve a God who relentlessly, who consistently pursues all people, all people, and may use us to reach someone because our world is full of broken people who need some good news. Full. 
And so who is it in our lives that may not get through the crowd to Jesus unless we find a way to get them there? Because as people of faith, we have something to say. We have something to offer that matters, something that makes a difference. And the very last thing Jesus says to the man is, get up. Get up, take your mat, and go home. Now, he's not telling him, I don't think, to go home and stay there. I think Jesus is inviting him to a new life, perhaps lived in partnership with these four friends. That's what the community of faith is all about. About nurturing and supporting and guiding one another as we learn, as we grow. And God calls us to make a difference. To make a difference for one another, but to also make a difference for the world. And powerful things begin to happen when we faithfully respond together. Our faith affects other people. And with God's help, we have to find ways to get people to Jesus. Really, it comes down to a ministry of presence. Conveying to someone else, you matter. You matter simply by spending time with them. And that's a ministry that all of us can do. That is not something that's limited just to the pastors or the staff of this church. That's a ministry that we can all be doing and should be doing as the church. And the good news is that we were made to belong. We were made to belong to each other. We were made to belong, above all, to Jesus. And I believe that Jesus dreams of worship communities that are filled with people who are concerned about the humans that God created and so filled with God's love that they encourage others to walk in fullness of life. And so it's my hope and my prayer that we can be that community. Would you pray with me? Oh God, we give you thanks indeed for this place, the place that we call a community of friends. We pray that you would help us to find ways in our lives every day to be a friend to someone, to reach out to others, to find those who need you, and to find a way to get them to you. God, we also pray that when we need care, that we would allow ourselves to be open to that, that we would not be afraid to ask for help, we would not be afraid to say, I need a friend. And God, ultimately, we thank you for the best friend of all, the friend of Jesus Christ. We pray all these things in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.